Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. I hope you enjoy. Jorge, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to talk. I uh, guess today is Jorge Coca. Uh, you are currently the head of engineering at Very Good Ventures. Um, you're also the organizer, the the runner of the Chicago Flutter meetup, and then very much a, a Flutter enthusiast. And then you're, you hail from Spain, but you're in the Chicagoland area for many years now. Did I miss yes. anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's been a journey for sure. Great. Well, I'd love to learn a little bit more about Very Good Ventures and kind of your role there and, the, and what mm-hmm. your, you and your team do. Yeah, absolutely. So Very Good Ventures is an agency. Uh, we were founded in 2018 um, when we started working on like the application for Hamilton, the musical, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, go for it. It's amazing. It's great. Uh, I love it. I'm a huge nerd of the musical. Um, let's go back to the point, though. Um, so we started working on that that project, right? And they had a very like tight deadline. The Hamilton team, they don't have an engineering team, of course, mm-hmm. right? So the challenge was like, what can we do to release this amazing product that we have in the works as soon as possible to like the Hamilton fans, right? And that's where like back then the team at, at Very Good Ventures, they kind of like explored this new framework coming from Google called Flutter that would allow you to write the code base ones and run it on iOS, Android, right? They were like, let's give it a try. They got buy-in and turns out that it was a success, both the application and the experience, right? So that helped Flutter and for very good ventures as well to be kind of like putting them up. It's like, hey, we can actually make production quality work with, with this one, right? So that gave very good ventures the label of being the first in Flutter. Sure. But since then, we've worked really hard to shift that message to being the best in Flutter. Mm. And I say this without like any cockiness or anything, like actually with all the humbleness in the world, right? Like it's a huge responsibility to try to lead the practices, the quality, even the community culture, right? Which Flutter is amazing for that. And we want to be the best ambassadors possible of that community as well, right? So, um, that's the mission, that's where we are, right? Like we've been able to kind of like grow the company from three people that were in 2018, I joined in 2020, mm-hmm. and now we're about like 50, I think a little bit more than 50 with oh, presence wow. in multiple countries like Spain, Poland, Netherlands, Brazil, Nicaragua, the US of course, right? Uh, we go where the, the talent is, right? So we're very, very excited to be part of this journey. Yeah, that's awesome. And and um, you mentioned Flutter. Basically, it's it's I, I don't know the right term, cross-functional language or cross-platform language, right? Where like you can deploy it's, multiple different applications. It's uh, a platforms. portable UI toolkit, right? So pretty much think about this concept that anywhere where there's a screen, you should be able to write a Flutter application. Hmm. They achieve a huge milestone um, recently with Flutter three, that allows you to run Flutter on iOS, Android but also like macOS, Windows, yeah. Linux, right? Embedded systems, right? Like Toyota, for example, is using Flutter in the vehicle. So the navigation system and the instrument cluster of future vehicles will be developed with, 
with Flare as well. So it's very, very versatile, very um, powerful, right? Uh, think about in the future, like smart fridges. I don't know, uh, the jumbotron of a stadium, right? Like sure. it's a screen. So as long as there's a screen, you should be able to run Flutter, which is amazing, right? Like you don't have to think about, okay, for this, I need to learn this tech stack, but then for this other screen, I need to learn these other ones. It's just a screen, right? So Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I know um, a handful of engineers who were, were into it and and have really been big advocates. And yeah, I just saw that that Flutter 3 news recently. I was like, oh, it's good to hear because I, I haven't been in the know as much, um, but I was doing some research before our conversation. Um, I, I've just always heard the people who I do know that use it seem to really love it, right? And like be big advocates for it. So, um, and in the agency space, it's interesting, right? If you are those like the person or, or the company that's doing it, right? You can kind of build a name and a reputation for yourself. I haven't had a lot of guests on who've been in that position where like they are the subject matter expert for this thing, right? So is yeah. that, are that's, people coming to you saying we want to do Flutter work or people come to you with projects and you're saying, okay, here's how we can do that in Flutter or is it a little bit of both? I think that has changed. Definitely at the beginning, we had to do a lot of convincing, but now these days people are coming to us because they recognize our expertise, they recognize the brand, our presence in the community, which is like priceless, right? So yeah. we've seen that change over the over the years, right? Like actually our sales pitch has even changed as, as we go through that, right? I think you mentioned something very interesting about uh, kind of like doing that transition, right? Because actually at the beginning when I started doing Flutter, I didn't want to use Flutter. Uh, sure which is a little bit weird, right? But like, I was at that point working at BMW, I was the Android tech lead. Um, and of course I was even developing like a personal brand within the community. I was a speaker in like big events and things like that. So when our CTO kind of like tasked us to like, hey, to help the build the business, what can we do on the technology side to deliver better, deliver faster, right? Increase like happiness at work and all the stuff. I was like, hmm this sounds like we're going to a platform, right? And of course, me being like the Android guy, I was like, I've invested all this time to learn and all that stuff. I was a little bit like close-minded, right? Um, but once I tried Flutter, I was like, wow, this is, this is a huge change, right? Like it's a huge shift in the paradigm. It was effective, right? It was kind of like predictable. There were no surprises or performance issues or anything like that. So at that point, we realized like, okay, no, no, this is this is the future, right? Even for a company at BMW back in 2018, it was still a huge change, but we made that transformation. It was a success, right? And then um, when I left the team at BMW, I was like, I want to build that in a company as well. I want to make sure that our expertise is available for other companies as well. And very good ventures enabled, like myself as an individual, but like, many other members of the team as well to, to do that, right? So that those conversations at the beginning of having to try to sell Flutter as a possible solution, now they shifted to, you are the experts, we're at your hands, help us to achieve our goals. Flutter is the way to get there, right? So it's, it's, it's amazing to see how that huge effort that we made, right? Like that advocacy for like the platform, for the community, for the values that it provides, like actually, had an impact and now we're able to focus on, on bigger challenges. Yeah, I love it. You mentioned a little bit, you were you were at um, BMW doing Android work before. Can you share a little bit about your pathway into technology? Did you go the traditional computer science route? Were you self-taught, something in between? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not a computer science uh, graduate or anything like that. Um, I started actually even when I was in high school back in Spain, I wanted to be a sports journalist. Oh, I'm a huge uh, soccer fan, uh, but I always liked the the sport from the data analysis. Analysis, right? Like I was the the kid that would look at the what's the weight of this player that plays for the second division team. Very very okay. weird, but that's what I liked. Um, but that had really no future. At least I thought it had no future. I was really good at math and physics, so I decided to go for an engineering degree. And in Spain, I started uh, something called um, telecommunications engineering that is very similar to the electrical engineering degree here in the U.S. I had a few programming classes that I failed multiple times. Um, it was too abstract for me. Uh, I'm, I'm not a very abstract person. I'm very visual. So it wasn't until I got exposed to like just pure HTML development, like, oh, here's a link. You tap the link and it does something that I started like connecting the dots, right? Uh, I was still very bad at programming, but at least it started to make more sense, right? Um, I had the opportunity to come here to the US to get a master's degree at that point. And at that point in Spain, through that kind of like visual iterations, I learned a little bit of iOS development. I learned a little bit of like Ruby on Rails and things like that. And I was like, I like this. I want to get better, but I don't want to be doing like this. Like I still don't know a lot of like when my teammates, they talk about like DevOps and cloud and sure, yeah. all the stuff. It's like, well, I understand what they're talking about, but that's not definitely like my feel. Um, so it is when I came here to study my, my master's degree in Chicago that I was like, okay, I think I'm going to be a software engineer. I still didn't have any confidence or anything like that, sure. but I thought like, well, let's let's give it a try. I thought that I was gonna be back in Spain one year anyway. So, but here I am, right? Like I got my first job as a Ruby on Rails developer for a advertising agency focused mm -hmm. on like the Hispanic world. So actually speaking Spanish was a huge advantage for me. And then I transitioned to a consulting company called SPR, in which I actually think that that was my real first professional job. I had a huge, like network support of mentors, great teammates, great managers, great company, right? I had the opportunity to work with like some of the big companies here in, in Chicago, like Groupon, Orbit, that is now Expedia, Innova. Um, so even though I was a consultant, I, I grew and learned a huge amount, right? Like something that was priceless, which gave me the confidence then to kind of like apply for a job at BMW when I was like, wait, there's a tech team here in Chicago that works on connected cars and all that stuff. It was crazy. I'm not a yeah. car person um, in the sense that like, I don't know what a gas engine power and all the stuff means, sure, yeah. but I'm, I'm a huge nerd or like the digital experience within vehicles and things like that. So I applied for a job. Um, I got it. I was the first like Android person within the organization here in Chicago. So that helped me to kind of like put together a team and start developing with the practices that we did. And eventually we expanded that practice from Chicago to like the teams in Germany. Uh, then I had teams in China. Eventually the company expanded also to Brazil, to Portugal. And that gave me the opportunity to travel a lot, to coach and mentor a lot of teams, right? Mm -hmm. And when it was time to think about, okay, the iOS team is like, 100 and something people and in the Android team were 20 people, we never gonna achieve the same business goals, right? And that was sure. bad for the organization. 
So that's what got me into Flutter pretty much. So it's a little bit of a traditional path once I got to the US, but definitely in Spain, I thought that was gonna be putting satellites in orbit, right? Not never, sure. like, I never <laughs> thought that was gonna be in front of a computer the whole day. Yeah, interesting, that's very interesting. And then <clears throat> what, what led you to Very Good Ventures? Do you just want to continue doing that flutter work or get back into so, the agency space? Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's a great question. Um, when we started using Flutter at BMW, it was a huge learning experience, and we definitely like put the framework to the test, right? But after a while, I realized that I was building the same product that I already built in Android, right? Um, so I was kind of like craving for a new challenge, and I had the opportunity back in 2019 of speaking at a conference in New York called DroidCon New York. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking about Flutter because we were already like using Flutter and all the stuff. Um, and there were like a few people that were really like uh, Flutter enthusiasts. There was like a Google engineer working on the Flutter team as well that was kind of like also like in the orbit of Very Good Ventures, right? Very Good Ventures, the head, our headquarters are in New York, right? So I connected really well with, with, with those folks. And by the time I was kind of like, thinking about leaving BMW, I'm going to have to give up some of the perks, but I think it's time for me to be excited about a new challenge. I just went back to that like experience that I had in New York. And I was like, it's time to kind of like take a bold risk, right? Uh, right. This is a very small company. It's definitely not the size of BMW and all that stuff. But at that point, I just wanted to keep working with the Flutter world very good ventures, not only the people gave me like a good vibe, but if you think about the brand is like the unicorn with the sunglasses, sure, and all yeah, stuff, yeah. it's very like, kind of like friendly, right? Like you could have a plushie of that and be very, very happy. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll give it a try. And I talked to, to David, who's our founder, our CEO. And I think immediately we were like, you know what? There's going to be challenges. Of course, we're growing a company, but I, I align. Like there's, there's some understanding of what do we think about work, the service that we want to do with clients, right? The culture and all that stuff. Um, we don't know everything. And I'm a person that like, is actually com- comfortable hearing from someone like, we don't have an answer. Let's work it out together, right? Sure. Um, and at that time, at the same time, like one of my huge, like most important teammates in I had at BNW, Felix, was also like, hey, whatever you go, I want to kind of like, let's do it together, right? Sure. So we ended up both joining Very Good Ventures. And it turns oh, wow. out that he's a huge kind of like presence in the community. He loves like contributing to open source. He has open source some of the most important um, packages for Dart and Flutter in the open source community. Um, of course, as a head of engineering, I focused a little bit more on like how to grow the team and, sure, and all yeah. that stuff, right? So it's it's been a great compliment that has worked really well and an amazing experience, right? Because not only I get to work now with people that I didn't know before that oh, we're building this together, but also I have one of my best colleagues, right? Like working with me side by side. And not only that, after like actually a year after leaving BMW um, with COVID and all the stuff, they decided to shut down operations in Chicago. So then I had the opportunity to recruit again, also one of my colleagues, Tomara, as a head of program manager uh, for, for VGV. So we were able to put like a good team of people with the experience that is helping us to keep kind of like growing in a healthy, but very effective way. Yeah. It's a full that, circle. <laughs> that's awesome. That, that, it's good to hear too, right? Because when you're actually excited about your role, it, it 
feels very natural to try to get people on board, right? Like yeah. you can say like, come join me. Here's all the cool stuff we're doing, right? Instead of come join me, eh, maybe you'll like it, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that everyone has been excited about the challenge, understanding that because like working for BNW, like a huge corporation with resources pretty much for everything, it's a very different experience that all of a sudden trying to, like what we sell, our product is expertise and time, sure. right? Yeah. Time is the limiting factor because it always decreases, never increases. Yeah. But that's our product. We offer our expertise available to other companies, right? But that's really hard to do when you're just starting to, like, if you're a company of three, it's like, who are you to claim expertise in any field, sure. right? Still, we tried. We, we did experiment a lot. We started, like, building confidence, right? Like, we always knew that without losing... Um, the positive attitude and the values of the community and what we wanted to build as a company and through like strong, like coding values, right? Like when we talk about how do we execute our project, like our promises to our clients, the way we deliver through testing, through automation, through good architecture, right? Like it's not just words, like we can put it in action, right? And that's why we actually are never afraid of open sourcing our work. Actually, we like working in that model, right? Because it's kind of like a, stamp of approval of this is how we set our standards if you work with BG, with bgv that's how you're gonna get mm. like what you're gonna get right so yeah it's, it's, it's a fascinating journey yeah that's a really interesting idea uh, have you so you mentioned your company's grown from like 18 20 people when you started like over 50 now so i'm assuming you've done a number of interviews over the years i have yes <laughs> yeah Great. What are you typically looking for when you're evaluating um, technical candidates that are coming through? So that's a great question, right? Um, there's a few things. Like, first of all, is that I like to work with people that kind of like understand and they can either represent our values as a company, mm-hmm. right, without an effort, without having to make an extra effort. What do I mean by that? One of our values is to be collaborative partners, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we try to put in practice during an interview is like, let's solve this problem together, right? I'm not that interested in actually getting an accurate answer. I'm just trying to understand how we can partner together. During that process, you realize who's actually up for, for that situation, who likes to kind of like pose questions, has, have that back and forth, or who prefers to kind of like, no, no, let me go to a corner, solve my problem, and I'll come back with an answer, right? That's very important for us because we're consultants, right? It is in our nature to help other people, sure. right? So you can be like a magician, a wizard solving technical problems that if you don't want to collaborate during that time, if you don't want to help your team, help our clients to grow and elevate their practice, right? Then we might not be the right fit for that person, right? Um, just because we are selling something else, right? Um, so that's one of those things It's literally like those interactions. Like, do you want to collaborate? Are you friendly during the interview? Right? Like that's another thing that it's not all about the technical output of the interview. Of course we evaluate that, right? Like if we're trying to write a a unit test together and we cannot make that happen. And in reality, there was no kind of like reason to get stuck. Like sometimes hey, like life happens and you don't know, but like there are things that we can, we should be able to solve. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do that in a friendly manner, right? Like, you know how sometimes in an interview, you might be talking to a candidate and you don't just get that level of response. Or like if you're doing like an interview, for example, 
with with a pair of people, right? Like there's candidates that won't speak to women for whatever reason, right? Sure. Like or won't speak to the immigrant, right? Like we have seen sure. those kind of instances, right? Like well, then it's not a good fit as well, right? So ultimately, it's not that much for me about that technical thing because we can teach it, we can coach it. It's honestly any technical challenge. Most of the times, it's just a matter of practice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In effective practice. But it's the other aspects of the job, right, that they cannot be that coachable. They can be coached, right? But there's a natural element that you must have to, to be effective and successful in, in that area. I like what you say about it. Is it an effort or not? Like, is it an add an effort, right? Because a lot of people can fake it for some amount of time but when you know when the shit hits the fan are you gonna fall back to okay i'm still a calm understanding person or you know do you default to the well we have to drop all that because we have to get stuff done right and yeah that that makes a lot of sense and the the training piece is is interesting because a lot of times people think of consultants as like oh we'll just build this product you know they give us the specs we'll build it and then we'll give it back to them right but there really is i think in a lot of consulting environments yes you're building it but you're collaborating through that entire process and also there's some element of like setting them up for success right you're not just dropping it off and saying good luck you're saying okay here's how this works let's walk through this with your team here's you know, here's how you do X, Y, and Z, right? There's like, that is almost a mentorship training aspect for the clients as well that a lot of people don't think about. Right? Absolutely. There's, Flutter is a great opportunity to sometimes push that reset button, right? Mm. Because if you're thinking about using Flutter, chances are that like you might be introducing like a new product, mm. right? Or thinking about, about rewriting an old one, right? And in those cases, you gotta take advantage of the situation. Take that opportunity to analyze your culture as a company, your engineering culture, your product culture, right? Do an exercise of understanding what do we like, what do we, we don't like, what do we want to change, right? And use Flutter as a driver for that motivation, right? So that's how we approach and tackle many of these challenges, right? It's like for us, delivering is not the goal. That's actually the minimum, right? Mm-hmm. It's about that transformation. If you're going to get the same output working with very good ventures than working with a different agency, then we're, we're not adding that value that, that we wanted to provide, right? Like how to be effective during that journey, how to coach and mentor your team, not only technically, but also to have that like focus and product mindset of like, what's our goal here, where we are here, how we can get there in the most effective way, right? Um, it's interesting what you say, like sometimes consultants, they get the specs and it's like, go and build it. I wish we get specs many times, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's a collaboration process that you got to nurture with your clients. Because even if you get the specs today, guess what? You're going to be building software and within two weeks, you're going to realize that something is missing. Something needs to change. There's like a new product idea, right? You need to be flexible in that regard. So any, any process is always a collaboration. It's a negotiation. It's an understanding of like, where do we want to go? How do we get there? What are the trade-offs, Right. Um, so for us, having that partnership with our clients, right, in which we want to solve a problem together, it's not that we're going to solve the problem for you, is the most effective way for us to to be successful. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I work at um, Home Chef as of now in the last couple of months, and we it's by far the best product and product design team I've ever worked with. Like, they actually, like have an idea and 
scope it out pretty effectively before it gets to me. And I'm like, this is mind blowing. Cause I'm used to hearing like, Oh, we want to build this. And then, <laughs> you know, you start on something that they go, Oh, not like that. Right. We want to build it like this. I'm like, Oh, why didn't we say that beforehand? <laughs> right. So it really, I I've come to uh, learn how, how helpful it is. Right. When you actually have people who are, are doing that work up front, but again, you know, when you have a client, they may have that and they may not, right? So, so you probably have all all types of things. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I always tell this to my teams, right? Um, that if everything was perfect, they wouldn't need us. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and with that one, I don't want to imply that we're a perfect company. Far from that, right? Like we're still learning, we're still growing. Like there's growing pains, of course, right? Um, but like if like the culture of a client mostly like on the technical side, like their delivery outputs and all the stuff, they were like perfect. They wouldn't call us, right? So it is our goal to work with these companies, right? To truly understand their teams, their individuals, what they're trying to achieve, their mission to make sure that we can help to 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 be better, right? So, and we can understand that, yeah, it, always the starting point is like here. Not, I'm not saying that this is the bottom, but like their starting point is usually lower than where they want to be as a finish point, right? As a yeah. kind of like ultimate goal. So it is our goal to kind of like help to, to elevate that. Sure. Absolutely. Do you have any type of standardized process, like interview process? Does it start with some type of phone screen and then conversation with you or, or what does that look like? It, it has changed a little bit over the years. Uh, definitely like at the beginning, it was much more informal, right? And less organized. Uh, but I think that now that we're kind of like going to high school and trying to learn how to be adults, right? Uh, we have a wonderful uh, recruiting team and people operations team that they've been bringing more clarity into the interview process, which I think is not only beneficial, but makes the interview process more like transparent, clear, and fair for, for any candidate, right? So it usually starts with, uh, once we have collected um, like the resumes and all the stuff, right? Um, like our acquisition partner will reach out to, to candidates, learn their story, learn their interest, right? Make sure that what they wanted, what we can offer gets aligned um, from benefits, but also from like as a company, right? Like not everyone is well-suited to be a consultant. Hmm. Even successful consultants, maybe they're well-suited in a very particular period of their life, right? And then they want to try something different, right? And it's very important to understand what's, the, the art of the craft of being a consultant, right? Like the trade-offs, how you're going to spend your time, right? Like we don't want to create like false expectatives for everyone because otherwise we're not even helping them to, to be successful, right? So once that happened, if we decide to move to the next phase, then that's usually like an interview with me and the engineering team. Um, that will have to change at some point as we grow, right? Like that, I don't want to be the bottleneck for, for the sure. team. But like most of the times I get involved in that process, right? And at that point, I try to assess, like, as I said, like, it's all about like that collaboration aspect. It's like, if we're going to be working on a problem together, do we want to work together, actually? That's that's the sure. first question that we need to solve, right? Uh, and knowing that interviews is, is a two-way street, right? Um, it's as important for me to be comfortable with the candidate, but also for the candidate to be comfortable with with me, with our like acquisition partner. And then as they move uh, into next steps um, to understand that, like, do I want to work with this team, right? Mm -hmm. 
So after that, like if everything goes well, then there's usually like a team interview, right? Is very much like applied uh, to collaboration, right? I like to ask candidates, if you have already a project that you like, right? Like that you feel really comfortable explaining it, trying to add new features, if it has like a decent amount of tests and all that stuff, we can use that as a starting point. Sometimes candidates, they prefer to be like, no, can you give me like an assignment so I can understand what are the values, your coding values, what you value and all that stuff. We try to be very upfront what, with our expectation, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm not the type of manager or we're not the type of company that gets pride in saying no to candidates. Sure. Right? We want to optimize for, for saying this, right? So we like to say to candidates, well, if you're going to take that path, right? Like we like to use like this type of architecture. We love testing. We try to establish CICD, right? So we give them hints and they can kind of like, not hints, kind of like guidance. Like this is what we value as a company, right? Yeah. So you have like a, an idea of like, okay, if, if I try to follow this path, I'm going to be successful. And on top of that, we even share projects with, with the candidates that are like, okay, we open source the photo booth, the pinball app. We have open source many things, take a look, do the research, understand how we code, because that actually has two different goals, right? It's like, it's gonna increase your chances of success, but also it's kind of like training already, right? Oh, interesting. Like, oh, yeah. I can actually access these, this code base. I can see it. I understand how this team works. If I get the job, by the time I join, I already know how they work. Yeah. And I've seen that proven super effective because I've met like new teammates joining the team that it's like they were working with VGV for a long, long time. Yeah. Right? Interesting. Actually being public in that regard, like pays dividends very, very quickly, not only like in the expertise area, but like through marketing, through hiding efforts and all that stuff. Right. So, yeah. Great. Well, that, that's very helpful. Um, flipping the, the tables on you, in the past when you've been through technical interviews, how do you think you've done? You think you're really oh, strong, <laughs> terrible? <laughs> Somewhere um, I'm not a big, I'm, I don't do good in interviews. I think that interviews, they're weird because just the, the name, it creates anxiety. Sure. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm doing an interview, like, ooh, shakes so great, right? Um, and it's kind of like a black canvas, right? Like in which, or like, it's like you have to perform a show that you never rehearse for. Yeah. Right. Um, so that makes it very tricky. And on top of that, as I said, like I'm, even though I think I've been very like lucky in my career to be like doing like really cool projects and keep kind of like getting more responsibility over time. I'm not the type of engineer that it's going to be like, I can build this algorithm like just like that. Sure. It's be super performant and elegant and beautiful and stuff. No, it's, I actually, I've never had that interest in going that deep. I've mm -hmm. never had a job also that required me to go that deep, right? But also like, I'm not good at it. That doesn't sure. mean that I'm not good at problem solving, right? But like I have, I know my limitations and my strengths, right? So it's funny because for example, when I interview at BMW, as I said, like I was the first, Android person that they brought up to the team in an organization that had already like about 70 people. Yeah. So my entire interview, they never asked me anything about Android. 
<laughs> it's just right, like they were asking me like I had a little bit of knowledge in, in iOS at that point. So one team that interviewed me, they knew iOS. So we were talking about view controllers and this and that. Another team asked me about like a hash map problem or something like that. And I was like, well, you'll see my answer, but we sure. didn't get that far, right? Um, and then like I talked to a couple of the product people about like how to solve a problem and all that stuff. And that one went really well. And then the hiding manager asked me like, how was the interview? At that point, you had a little bit of like a presence already built in the community. I was speaking like in a few conferences here and there. So I was like, look, you're going to receive really bad feedback. <laughs> That's what I told the hiding money. I was like, um, I, I'm already, I already lost these opportunities. I had nothing to lose. I was super honest and upfront. I was like, I think the iOS interview went okay, but I wasn't interviewing for an iOS position. So I did the best to my knowledge. They went for the hash map, forget about it. They're going to tell you that I don't know how to be an engineer. And then the product went really well, and that made me feel really comfortable. But I want you to know that I was applying for an Android position, and no one has asked me anything about Android. And I think, actually, that that's what got me the job. Oh, interesting. <laughs> right? yeah. like, well, they, they knew already kind of like my value as an Android engineer from, from the community. And the fact that I was kind of like being honest with them, I think that's something that they value. Maybe they just needed to hire someone. I don't know the things like I ended up getting the, the job. And I know after that, like a few of the teammates that interviewed me that they were like, wow, Jorge, during the interview and the results that you're giving to, to the team and the company, we would have never expected. <laughs> but also that was a spark for them to actually understand that the interview process could have been improved, could have sure. been a little bit more welcoming and effective as well, right? So... It's always a learning experience, but but no, I do horrible at, at interviews, right? Um, yeah, it's really interesting what you're saying too, because it's almost like you have to. I mean, in theory, you can do both, but but a lot of times I feel like people have to pick one. Like either you're optimizing for your ability to build as an engineer, like actually understanding how do I go from zero to one, right? Or you're optimizing for your ability to understand computer science fundamentals and do well in interviews, right? And the, and the usually, way I like to. It's yeah. not, it's one or the other, right? <laughs> the way I like to explain interviews, because like I had this, this chat with, with my wife, she's, she's a teacher, right? So she didn't really understand what was so kind of like stressful about the software engineering interview. And I was telling her like, look, um, she's a musician, she plays cello, uh, I, I play guitar. And I was telling her, it's like, you know that you can play cello, right? So imagine that you have to give a concert, but they haven't told you what you have to play. So then you get in front of the stage for everyone and they tell you, now you have to play whatever song from Bach. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know how to play cello, right? Like you need to rehearse, but you didn't know what song they wanted you to play, sure. right? Or it's like me, I play guitar. I get on the stage and they ask me, like, play one from Led Zeppelin. It's like, oh, crap, I've only rehearsed once. From... I don't even know the song, maybe, that they're asking yeah, me to yeah. play. Right? Does that mean that I'm a bad musician or a bad engineer? No, but there was not really, like, a good understanding or a good expectation set up front of, like, what you wanted me to prepare. Right? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the challenges with technical interviews. It's, like, it's a huge open canvas in which you have a limited amount of time usually not the tools that you feel more comfortable with and you have to push. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. That's, that to that's, me, that's, that's why I try to 
and and with the team as we kind of like analyzed and tried to make interviews more welcoming it's like it's not about that technical output it's about the collaboration that we don't know an answer to a question don't worry let's figure that out together let's google it let's get to that point but like how you actually react to those circumstances is what we think is going to make you successful at work right and i think that so far that method has proven to be effective for us right so i'll, yeah. I'll take it <laughs> Yeah, great. Well, do you, so so in those situations like at BMW, right, when they start to ask you a hash map question, you go, I don't have an immediate answer for that, right? How do you break that type of question down and, and try to start moving forward on? Do you have any type of system you use or, or what do you do in that situation? So at that point, he's trying to ask as many, as many questions as you can come off to try to better understand the problem, right? Some people will help you to understand that. Some people, like some interviewers actually, they won't, right? Like that, that's it's a, another challenge as well. But that's it, it's trying to gather as much information as possible that is gonna help you to be getting the details that you think you might need to solve that. I also think that at some point, it doesn't matter how many questions you ask, if you don't know, it should be fine to say like, hey, I don't know. Can we work on this together? Can you give me a hint? Can you, I don't know, let's try to solve it together, right? That's an, another thing that I think it's available for, for the people actually being interviewed. It's like, let's solve this together. Give me a little bit more guidance. Maybe I don't see the, the first step that seems so obvious to you, but maybe once we have that, right? But at that point, the thing is like, <laughs> I can give so many different strategies, but I think that it needs to be a little bit of empathy from the interviewers as well sometimes. And that is the part that is lacking many times, right? Like I think that when we talk about the interview process sometimes being broken, it's in reality, right? It's like, yeah, let's put the question. Maybe we don't have an answer, but like at least let's get to that solution together. But unfortunately, sometimes you will have people that want to collaborate with you. Sometimes you won't find that people, right? And that's, that's unfortunate, but it's trying to, navigate that, gather as much information as possible that you think is going to help you to go to an answer, right? But also, like, sometimes at work, you're going to be faced with questions in which you have no clue where to start. What do you do at work? You say, like, hey, I don't know. Give me some time. I'll do my research. Let me pair with one of my teammates or whatever that is, right? Um, I'll get back to you as soon as I have an answer. But allow me to say, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's all great advice. And and that like basically trying to collaborate with people during the interviews. I think that's one of the best best pieces of advice I've ever heard is I, I often ask like, does this make sense to you? Or like, what do you think, right? Trying to pull them into the exercise too. Because that's also the easiest way to tell, okay, is this person thinking of this, like we're working on this together? Or is this person thinking I have the answer and you have to do all the work, right? And you have to get there, right? And and it, it is eye-opening when you realize, okay, well, they're not going to give me a lot of help. That's fine. I guess we'll have to figure out a different way to go about this, right? Uh, so, interesting. Uh, do you have um, advice or other tips for, for folks who are going into technical interviews, preparing for technical interviews? The best advice is exercise relaxation. Mm. Trying to get any like extra pressure that you might put on yourself away from your shoulders as soon as possible, right? The process, unfortunately, is stressful enough already. But I think that one of the things that I've 
notice is that there's even like an added pressure sometimes, right? Of like, oh, this is my dream job. I got to do this and all that stuff, right? There's always plenty of opportunities, right? Like your dream job, I'm sure that it's going to, like you have a long career, right? You're going to be working in this industry for like 10, 20, 30, 40 years, right? Even more, right? Your dream job is not going to go away. Actually, chances are that once you're in the job, you realize it's like, oh, this is not my dream job anymore. Sure. It's a job, right? You can like it a lot, but sometimes there's different opportunities, different whatever, right? So to me, the most important thing is like, I like to see, and this is what I try to nurture in the interviews, the best version of yourself, right? Like, what can I do to make you feel super comfortable? What can I do to make you feel like your heart is not like pumping faster than usual, right? Because if we achieve that and I'm giving you the comfort that you need to shine, then that's going to be more effective for you and for us to understand like, okay, this is what we can see, right? Like, at, like being put in practice on a daily basis, right? Because when you go to work every day, you don't have that like stress, right? Like it's not that interview, right? So for me, trying to get to that point as soon as possible, remove that level of kind of like stress is, is very important, right? Um, the other one, uh, I like to ask people this question, um, that is like, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted me to ask, right? Because I want to make sure that if you like going back to the guitar metaphor or whatever, right? If someone asks you to play Led Zeppelin, you don't know how to play Led Zeppelin songs because maybe you don't even like it. That's fine, right? But you're really good at playing songs from like flamenco songs. And maybe you wanted me to ask you to play something like that because I'm going to blow your mind. Right? I want to give you that opportunity. I want to see that passion. I want to see that kind of like, okay, I got this, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that that one has proven to be actually very enlightening for, for candidates and for me to even better understand my interview approach, but to know exactly when they want to like elevate themselves, what they're talking about. Sure. And, and as a, interviewee trying to find ways to weave things in that that may not have been asked like if someone doesn't ask you that question it, it maybe doesn't always feel a hundred percent organic but i i think it's often better to get add that thing in that you want to mention right rather than just let it, let that opportunity pass even if you have to squeeze it in there a little bit because it yeah. does if it shows something right that the interviewer might not have been asking you about that that's useful for you right? that requires though a level of self-knowledge Sure. That sometimes it's hard to even have, right? Um, that's a question that I would expect someone with maturity and experience to understand. I'm good at this. I can still grow in these other areas, right? Mm. Um, if you ask someone like out of college, maybe they can give you an answer. Maybe they're like, I've never done that exercise in my life because guess what? I just finished college. I had enough already, right? Who knows, right? Um so it's not a, a question that like I wanna like I ask trying to add extra pressure, but I wanna make sure that you don't leave anything on the table when it comes to selling yourself. Yeah. Right. Uh, as I said, like if they had asked me that in that during that interview at BMW, like, is there something that we haven't asked you that you would like us to ask? We would have done another interview, right? Because sure. I was like, hey, you haven't checked my knowledge in Android, you haven't like even explored like my 
leadership capacities within a team, right? Like we haven't even talked about what's my vision. I was the first Android developer. We never got to talk about how do we want to get started with, with coding practices or testing approach? Do we know CICD and all that stuff, right? Yeah. It was a very weird interview that ended up like landing in the right place, right? And going in the right direction. But if they had asked me that, they would have realized like, wait, this actually engineer knows what we're talking about. Just like we didn't exercise that during the interview. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you you mentioned um, you know folks coming right out of college. Do you have different advice um, or maybe additional advice for early career folks? Maybe this is their first or their their second job search. Is that there's many right? Um, but as I said, like don't give up, right? I think now the market is we're in such a market that you have more leverage mm-hmm. into finding what you want to be and what you want to do, um, but. The most important one is like, don't give up, right? Like there's always new opportunities. Um, Just be a really nice member of the community, right? Um, Software is fascinating, right? Uh, Because you get to build something out of nowhere, Mm. right? You get to build something that can have like a big impact, right? Um, You get to meet a lot of people that you're gonna influence an impact. So make sure that that influence and that impact, it's a positive impact, right? Make sure that when you interact with someone that it's always, like you're always gonna leave like a good taste, like not in their mouth, like that, that sounds weird, but like that when you interact with someone, when you partner with someone, when you pair with someone, right? That it's always a positive experience, right? It's, it's an industry, it's a field that can give you a lot, mm-hmm. right? Um, but can also destroy a lot. Sure. And that's the sad part of it, right? Um, so if we take that opportunity to keep trying to do our best, right? To try to be good teammates, good mentors, good learners, right? Then the sky's the limit. You're going to have like a great network of peers, colleagues, teammates that are going to be there to support you and you can support others as well, right? So to me, that's that's the best advice. It's like, as you're going to grow in your career, the most important thing is not the technical side of things. Sure. That's actually, you're going to realize that at some point, even if you're fascinated about that, that's the easy problem to solve, right? Is those relationships that we build, the ones that we got to nurture, protect, right? And, and kind of like optimize and elevate yeah yeah that's that's a great point that i don't think i've had really guessed have mentioned in the past is that even even right out of school it it makes sense to focus on i I was going to say empathetic engineering but just like treating others the way you want to be treated and like recognizing that like this is these are the people you're going to work with over the course of a career right like especially in a smaller area like chicago really i don't know outside of just you build a reputation um, and that kind of follows you from job to job, right? So it makes sense to to at least be conscious of that, right, early on. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's such a thing that um, what you're going to remember from your first job, your second job, your 20th job, whatever that is, is not going to be the amazing method that you wrote. Sure. Right? Like, <laughs> actually, you won't remember what you did on Monday when it comes to that, right? Yeah. You will remember that amazing project that you had with your team that even though it was like, oh, we had a deadline and we had to work really hard, 
we were all in the same team. We were all kind of like trying to achieve the same goal. We were supporting each other in the same way that if you have a horrible experience, you will remember that and it will mark sure. you for, for life, right? Um, so that to me, that's why I say that the technical side of things is just like, yeah, it's, it's our job. It's what we have to do. It's the problem that we're solving, right? But at some point that just becomes practice, 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 right? But if you don't build like a good network of relationships, that reputation that you have and all the stuff, it's not going to get you anywhere. Or, or the problem is like sometimes it does and it puts you in a position in which like actually your impact is negative in a much broader sure. sense, right? So, Yeah. Absolutely. Well, before we um, move into the technical portion here, any interviewing horror stories that, that maybe folks can relate to? I, you mentioned this one at BMW. It doesn't sound like that was a horror story, right? That was that no, didn't go ideal, but anything you want to share? that, that I'm, I'm also the type of person that always sees the positive in any situation, <laughs> right? So I've had instances in the past in which like, I was going through some experience with someone else and they were like, my God, did you see that it was horrible? And I was like, well, no, I think that if we do this and that, we can improve that way. They're like, the fuck are you talking about, right? <laughs> uh, it's it's hard for me to to see it that way, but definitely I, I had one um, in which it was it was a weird situation. Like it was an in-person interview, uh, technical. I got in a room and it was like a decently large, but like very skinny room. So there was one chair in one end and one chair in the other. They made me to sit down and I was like, where's the whiteboard or anything here? I don't know. It was very weird. So I was sitting down. One person came and they were like, my name is, I don't remember the name. Even if I did, I wouldn't mention it, but I don't remember the name. They were like, do you know what's the N plus one problem? I was like, excuse me? Yeah. Do you know what's the N plus one problem? I was like, no, can you help me? And they were like, no, interview is over. Then they leave the room. Someone else came and told me like, hey, uh, you didn't pass the cut. This wow. was for a review and reference position. And then I learned that the M plus one problem is something related to databases about how you kind of like save nested recorded, uh, records or something like that. Um, I still cannot explain what that is. Um, I just remember that being very like, what the fuck just happened here, right? Uh, That's why. I also have to say that I haven't done as an interviewee that many interviews. I've been very privileged in being able to be like, I want to be there. Mm. And I got the opportunity to get there, right? Um, but no, other than that, like, I actually, I think that I have more pleasant stories than horror stories, right? So, which I know that that's not always the, the case in the industry, unfortunately, but, um, but I've been very privileged in that sense. Well, I think it speaks to what you were mentioning about, about like building a reputation or a network. And those, those words sound grosser than than they are right but um having like just the mindset of like oh i'm interested in going to work at that place and then the the nature of the work that you've done in the past and what you've tried to foster makes that a very easy transition versus like oh i have to come in cold right to this company that yeah. knows nothing about me which is i feel like the the position many are in. yeah it's it's not necessarily about like the activity of networking right it's not that you gotta force it. no no you're most of the times, even if you live in the biggest community city, like San Francisco or whatever, right? The developer community is not that big. Whether you're like in person or like you have like an online presence, you get to know a lot of people just by being there, mm. right? So this doesn't mean that you got to be 
networking and socializing all the time. No, no. But it's with those interactions that at least be positive, right? Like, let's understand that we're all learning here, right? Like, there's always new to learn. Are you an expert in Flutter? Great. Guess what? Probably you don't know anything about Go in AWS. But that's not even the real problem, right? Like, the problem here is, like, how do we support each other? How do we build software in such a way that it's healthy, that we optimize for happiness, that we optimize for, like, it's a very creative work, but it's very, like, mentally challenging and demanding, right? We got to take care of our brain. How do, we so, how do we do so in the work environment, right? Those things are very important. What you bring to the conversation is negativity, toxicity, confrontation. Then we're just adding, I mean, of course, like it's not just like about being bad. It's like, what are we trying to build here, mm. right? What are we trying to destroy? I personally don't want to be part of that activity, mm. right? And that to me, this is not about like that idea of like networking and I'll give you my business card and all that stuff. No, no. It's like having that interaction, right? Like you want to be part of the community. Think about two things. When you feel confident and comfortable helping others, go and help. When you don't feel comfortable by doing so, don't be afraid of asking for help, right? Mm. And I think with that mentality, if you nurture that, you're going to realize that without an effort, you're actually start building like a network of support of people that they're going to be interested in your story, in your voice, in taking that into account and things like that, right? And you're building like a positive sum of situations, right? That is just making this community, this limited time that we have better with each other. Because guess what? Today you might be working for company A, but tomorrow you're gonna be working for company B. You're gonna have to interact with people that they were not part of your first company, but maybe you met in a different circumstance, right? You wanna make sure that you put yourself in a position of like interest, success, efficiency, and let others do the same thing as well, right? So I I feel like life is too short to be destroyed. (laughs) That's my two cents at the end of the day. I love it. Jorge, I need to put some some uh, inspiring music on the background of that. What a place. <laughs> if, if you let me, that's the thing. Like, if you let me talk, I get into this speech mode. And <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great. Well, let's take a break here. And then when we come back, we'll move into the technical portion. All right. Sounds great. Thank you for watching the first half of the professional technical interviewee. The technical interview will be released one week from this episode. So be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss it. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.